We've got uh, Angus from Smooth Beard Mead coming in. Yeah, we do. This is going to be a good show, but something needs to be addressed before we get into it. What do you need to address before we get into it? I don't know. Well, you've just mentioned that he's from uh, Smooth Beard Meadery, right? Yep. A little little Viking logo with a big beard. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. What did you notice about Angus when we met him? Seemed like a nice guy. He did seem like a nice guy. Passionate. Where's the beard? Oh, good point. He was clean shaven. Mm Mm-hmm. Quite clean shaven, actually. Yeah. Smooth is accurate. There's no beard. No beard. How, how do you think he's lying? Do you think he's lying to us? Should be elaborate. I don't know. We'll have to see. Is he? Uh, are you calling our guest a fraud? Uh, I don't have enough data yet. All right. Angus, comment. Yeah, Angus, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's a bit unfair. Afternoon, Dave. Oh, are we recording? Yeah. Did we not stop? No. Oh, okay. Right. If I was wearing my headphones, I probably would have heard it the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's refusal to wear headphones is... Uh... I can't hear me. And if I can't hear me, what's the point? Mm. You, are, you are the... All you need to hear, really. Um, I shrugged, and it's a, not a visual medium. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, welcome our guest, Angus from Smoothbeard Mead. How's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, good to, ha- good to have you here. Um, before we, we jump in, though, let's recap on some, some beer news. There's been let's, let's do it. A lot of beer news going on. Uh, I've made a bit of a list, as I normally do. Great idea. Um, first one that everyone's talking about is Stone Brewing Company's launch in Australia. People have been waiting a long time for this day. You went along and tried we both went along and tried one mm. of them. Yeah. Uh, we went to Slow Beer on Friday night to um, have a little chat with Mitch. You can hear that the previous episode of this podcast. You can. I reckon if you're listening to it sequentially, you've already done it. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. Um, so that was good. He's a, he's a good, passionate bloke. Um, good to chat to. Yeah. Uh, did they have more than one on at Slow Beer or just that just delicious? The one. It was I delicious as well. I think there was four or five on at Forrester's and there's the same at... at in Sydney um, this is all air freighted kegs and then the rest will be sent over in March very good on a boat package uh, as well yeah so I think mostly packaged oh, in the okay. next batch I don't know if there's any kegs in the next batch there might be a few but that's right very good yeah interesting um, to that. yeah the other thing and this happened pretty much just as we recorded the last episode uh, was the I'm sighing as I say this I'm not that excited to talk about it but the Budweiser commercial that everyone. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. No, do you know it? Yeah, well, I've read everything, yeah. So to recap, uh, Budweiser did a commercial where they basically said that people that liked craft beer were nerdy and dorky and liked to, to be a bit wanky, which is completely true. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask which element was questionable about that. Um, <laughs> and everyone got really offended by it, like up in arms. And Yeah, guess who got offended by it, though? Everyone? Yeah, everyone who's a nerdy, beer geek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just fucking marketing. Who cares? Yeah, and the other one people got. Th- oh, we just we tore that to shreds. That okay, yeah, good one. Next, Jeez, yeah. look out, look out, Budweiser. <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm seeking into the next thing, which is the thrill list article. I'm getting. I've got. I'm building to a point. Oh, okay, stay tuned. Um, where someone said that craft beer was dead because the style Goza was popular and hey? they don't like the style. Which, okay. part, which part are you saying? Uh, it's like all of that. Yeah, it was a tenuous argument. All right. um, and people, again, predictably got angry. Like, Was it a uh, troll? No, it was just a guy who didn't like a style. <laughs> okay. And said, uh, so, troll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and people predictably got angry at this guy as well. Yeah. So. Where, like, like as a group, I don't really like to um, identify with it, but you have to. Yeah. We just take so, the bait so easily. So easy like, to yeah. be poked, right? Yeah. Um, so my point is, people that are listening to this pro- program, podcast, stop getting angry at stupid fucking articles and yeah. ads. Like, it doesn't matter. People are trying to get reaction. If some, like, body declares that craft beer is over, people are going to still make it and you can still get it yeah. and drink it. So don't worry <laughs> about it. People, the brewers aren't going to read that and go, uh, oh, well, oh, well yeah. pack it up. We're done for. Yeah. What about the money we were making? Uh, <laughs> what about bad. all this stuff that we have? Yeah. 
Shut it down. <laughs> um, there was one a while ago in Metro Magazine New Zealand, maybe two years ago, where it was like a list of things to do over the summer. Mm-hmm. And one of the things on the list was becoming a craft beer boar. Right. And people got angry at that. A big uh, animal that drinks craft beer? Yeah, yeah. Six runs, Ellis. <laughs> Chalk them up. Quality yeah. comedy. Um, and people got angry at that and were like, you know, oh, how dare they or whatever. It's like now you're just becoming what they're saying you are. Mm-hmm. You're proving their point. Yep. <sighs> anyway, let's move on. It, what's the Metro magazine in New Zealand? Is that what it sounds like? I think it's like a food and Oh, okay. But it's magazine. a real magazine. Yeah, what, what, okay. what do you mean? Oh, it just sounds like a free magazine that you would get on public transport. Mm. No, I think okay. it's a relatively... Right. And I think they've got, had some good stuff in the past. So. Mm. Um, other news that I have, Craft Beer Rising. Yep, mm. gathering a little bit of Not steam. next weekend, the weekend after. The 28th. Uh, so I think next week is White Nights. Yeah. So they've gone a week after that. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, look oh, look at that. Sorry. Um, so that is... Was that a text or an email? Uh, my battery's running low. Oh, right. Okay. Having battery issues at the moment. Um, <laughs> the next... Oh, so, so two weeks um, all around Australia. So get on board. Check out the website, craftbeerrising.com.au. There was a lot of speculation that we may not have been playing in the annual Big Bash match. Mm. It seems we are. We received the email this week, so everyone can rest assured. We will be rolling the arm over. Mm. Um, seems like a lot of fun events in, in Melbourne, at least. I, don't, I haven't really looked anywhere else because... Because why would you? Yeah, why would I? <laughs> um, but yeah, check it out. Uh, and it's basically a, a day to celebrate good beer. And, and James from the Crafty Pints put a lot of work into getting it up and running, um, which is, you know, he's not getting paid for this. He's kind of losing money on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So good work, James, and, and get out and support it. And if you... Come um, and watch us play cricket. Yeah. I don't know what the details are, but do it. It'll be fine. Do you know who the fo- food is these this time? I don't know. All right. So a few training sessions before that, or you? There was talk up? of a training. There was session. talk of one yeah. net session. I'll probably. It's north side, and I'm south side, so I might phone it in, and I might just have my own little net session. I like did last year like, that was a ho- horrendous because I was just sore for the match of the for the match itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you I haven't rolled the arm over in about five years. To yeah, allow your yeah. Uh, shoulder get. <laughs> I vaguely remember how to play cricket, and that was. Embarrassing. Mm. Um, so hopefully this year I can better to limit it at just one day, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just four overs of batting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two training sessions and a game of embarrassment. Um, I felt like I made an impact last year, so I'm looking to build on my performance this year. Capitalize on the casual cricket performance. Excuse me, sorry. Had some kombucha before we came. Did you? Yeah, it's very lively. Um, the other thing that's happening in Melbourne is the Good Beer Week. Gala, mm-hmm. uh, which is the used to be the Victorian Microbrewery Showcase. It's now been extended to a whole bunch of other Australian breweries. Well, uh, it's not being done by the Fed Square no. people anymore. So it's now the Good Beer Week team. Exactly. Um, it's going to be at the Fitzroy Town Hall. So it was at Ormond Hall last year, yeah. um, maybe the last couple of years? Maybe? Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what the Fitzroy Town Hall is like. So is it bigger? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Because um, it, it was pretty busy and bustling mm, um, at last time. So. They have a lot more breweries this time, a lot more one-off beers already, um, like Feral, I think, are bringing a couple of new release oh, beers. Oh, yeah? Yep. It's um, kind of fun. Yeah, so that... You'd uh, think it must be a bigger space, right? I guess so. Either way, um, it looks really good, and it's going to be on a Saturday, so it's not like, I think in pre- previous years, they're like Tuesday, Wednesday evening. Mm-hmm. School nights aren't conducive to, to beer festivals, so... Um, yeah, Saturday might be a good a good day out. Yeah, I reckon. And is that going to be the launch of the Good Beer Week program? Oh, maybe yes. I think it was last time. So yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe or maybe not. We got the media release. We should have looked it up first. We'll put a link in our show notes. Um, what else have I got? Oh, New Zealand Brewery Collective, uh, which is Renaissance, Eight Wired, Yeasty Boys, and Tuatara have announced a big deal to push into the UK where they've sort of combined forces to send all their beers over um, as, a, as a group rather than having to, you know, buy an entire container yourself um, and just get distributed Why the there. hell not, yeah. Which That's is good. good. I, I like the idea of smaller brewers banding together to, to get their product out. Cause, yeah, greater good, yeah. Yeah, the volume supply lines that they can manage isn't, you know, probably need a bit of help. 
And I think um, the Yeasty Boys ventures from Weatherspoons was pretty successful. So, mm. and probably, then they're pushing into the UK. Yeah, so. so it shows that it's a it's a good market for them there. Perhaps I, I just, think I think um, Renaissance is also a good fit for for that scene as well. And eight wide top one hundred brewer again. If you go by mm-hmm. the rate beer um, twenty fifteen recap. Uh, so that's really good, and we should mention that they are getting their first new batches out of their new brewery. That'll be wide. exciting. Um, and they've moved all their barrels up there, and it's up in Auckland. So you expect to see a lot of exciting things out of Eight Wide. No doubt. I'm pretty excited. I do like their beers. Mm. The other thing was Kuinda Brewery out of Victoria. Uh, um, rebranding kind of a thing. Well, not really rebranding, but refocusing, I guess, their, their range, which is exciting. Um, their Black IPA is a great beer, and mm-hmm. I feel like they've been lost in the wilderness a bit lately. What are your thoughts? Without doubt, like that's one that, especially the Black IPA. Whenever I have it, it's great. It's probably one of the better um, examples of it in the country. I think the best by a long way. Um, and just gets and it falls by the wayside a little bit because they're kind of a little bit absent. They really, really cater well to their local area. Mm. Uh, apparently, their bar. I've never been myself, but their um, brewery bar is a bit of a hub, a bit of a mm. hot spot. So they do really well for that. But for uh, the greater surrounding areas, they're sort of a little bit forgotten. Mm. Hmm. So I'm glad to see that. It's, I reckon it's the right move. I, I completely agree. Um, it's just a weird one. I never think, never think to buy their beers if I see them on the shelves, and there's no reason for that. So getting them back in everyone's mind. Bit of a recharge. Uh, yeah, and they've got a half Nelson, which is a session IPA, out which I think would be pretty interesting to try. They, um, hmm, they make good beer. So is that like anything to do with? Because the Black IPA is known as the Full Nelson. Yeah, is that like a half like is the same hops as that or is it just a funny I name? think it's a funny name okay. I mean there's there's they're both wrestling moves the full Nelson mm, and the half course. Nelson um, I'm sure you watched WWF when you were a youngster Dave I believe it <laughs> um, so I, I think they're actually quite separate the beers themselves right, okay. like uh, if it was a black session IPA that would make more sense I kind of thought it would be but no sure enough hmm. Brew Colt and Seven Cent both turned two over the weekends, happy birthday! Happy birthday to those guys! You went along to their, yeah, I went to the Alehouse House Project uh, yesterday afternoon to sample some of the wares. They brought some, um, not one-offs, but some uh, exclusives for the for the showcase, which was good. Uh, um, probably one of the more exciting ones was the Buzz Killington mm. from uh, Seven Cents, which is a Berliner Weiss, and that was tasting pretty pretty damn pretty damn good. Mm. I like a bill in the base. Yeah, and Hendo had a um, uh, just a pale lager. Yep, it was very Hendo, so it was pretty hot forward, but really dry, really crisp. It was my kind of beer. Hmm, nice one. I also tried. Uh, oh, they they did a collaboration for the for the events. Um, it was a chocolate and rose water uh, porter called Death by Snoo Snoo. And that was really delicious. I didn't get any rose water out of it, but the chocolate was so rich and delicious that um, it was still really good. I feel like rose water will get yeah get lost. Rose water is dangerous, isn't it? Because it can get soapy or something. I've had a couple of beers. Yeah, there was that. nothing to detect on it. So, um, mm. but it was still really delicious. Uh, they also Seven Cent did like a triple a triple IPA as well. It was massive. It was mm. too big for me, but I'm delicate. <laughs> the other other news going around is the CUB contract. With bars, it's being investigated by the ACCC. But that's not news, though, is it? Uh, no, ever. It's an open secret, and for some reason, Choice Magazine have jumped on it recently. Yeah, but I think the ACCC investigation launched, yeah, month, like maybe a year ago, even. Now, I don't have. I don't. To be honest, I don't really have an opinion either way on these things. I did read Matt Kierkegaard's piece in Bruce News, uh, BruceNews.com.au, which was reasoned and probably made a lot of sense. So go read that. I'll link it in the show notes. I think I put it on our Facebook. No, I didn't. I will now. Good idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. Business is business. Capitalism, exactly. Capitalism. Welcome. Capitalism. Yeah. yeah, welcome to capitalism. If you don't like it, go barter your product somewhere else, I guess. I don't think a lot of those venues aren't really those spots that people look out for craft beers anyway, so mm. it's not like they're coming in and trying to take over craft beer venues. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, they're just trying to, I suppose, shore up their own business. Um, and a bit concerned about how well craft beer is going. Yeah, and um, if, which is the reason why they why they look really trying to push that 
um, lock it in. And also, if you're not, if you're a venue that's not going to be that fast about having craft beers, surely financially, it's great yeah. <laughs> to enter into one of those deals. <laughs> yeah. With yeah, well, yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, they're very good. Yeah. And a lot of punters don't, they don't care. They just want to go and get a Carlton draft, and mm. that's fine. If so, it works for them. But that's not the target market of, of yeah. craft beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It's kind of, I see the whole thing as separate to what mm. is happening. Um, it's been happening for a long, long time. It it's has. It's getting a bit of publicity now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the final thing is we, I've just finished my beer because it was so good. <laughs> um, but we were drinking a beer. It's the Stone and Wood Garden Ale, the annual release. I really like it. Dave? Is it different from last year? Mm, same as last year. Different from the first year. Right. Okay. Maybe I didn't have it as much last year. Seems more ambery than the one that I remember. Mm. I think they maybe they slightly change it. Okay. I really like. Um, I kind of get a nice, nice stone fruit. It doesn't it feels a little bit bigger than three point eight percent? Definitely. And yeah, it's a beer that is I think perfect for a, a garden. <laughs> Sitting in a beer garden. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> that is a good point. Angus, any thoughts on the beer? Uh, yeah, I quite like it. It's it's one of those beers that um, uh, I like. I think sometimes with craft beer, I'm a, I drink a little bit of craft beer, but not a lot. And uh, I like the craft beers that have a nice sort of um, crisp finish to them. Mm. And that one certainly that really does. It dries up pretty quite quickly. quickly. Yeah, um, quite good on mid palate, but then it um, finishes very quickly. Mm. So I like I like that style of style of beer. So. I think that's probably a fair reason why Luke just put his down in thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely like that style as well. Um, keep wanting the flavour to come. <laughs> <laughs> keep replenishing. It. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's the first time I had it, and I, I reviewed it on my, my blog, um, which I'll link. Um, first time I had it this year, I was sitting outside. I just picked a whole bunch of nectarines off the, the tree in the backyard. Um, my cat was sitting next to me. And it was a beautiful day. What did Norm think of the beer? Um, he was indifferent. Yeah. He was just enjoying the soaking up the atmosphere, yeah, really. Norm's my cat, by the way. <laughs> um, it's odd, though. Like The aroma and the flavour don't really match. I mean, I, it isn't a bad thing, but it's just... Well, I really? kind of always get that from those Ella or the Australian hops. It's kind of pretty big and stone fruity. Yeah. Nose. And you still get it, but not quite. Which is why I think they're better suited to these kind of styles. Like I know people have tried them in IPAs and they, never really, they don't carry through in the bitterness at all. I don't mind them, but I, I don't think you can do it properly as a single hop. Mm. The, hey, th- maybe just a personal taste, huh? Yeah. Well, the, um, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show already, but the Panhead White IPA. Oh, it's not a white IPA. It's a wheat pale or something. And he's used just Australian hops. He's used aloe and summer. Um, and they came through really good because they're kind of softer in their aroma, but you get the wheat beer body to, to back it up um, without the bitterness. Hmm. Cool. All righty. Well, we've let's... just ground to a halt, so why don't we have a little break? Yeah, have a break, and then we'll come back and we'll chat to Angus about all things smooth beard meat. Cool. Welcome back. That was For the second time. You might not hear that. I might hear that out. So just pretend nothing happened. Welcome back. Okay, welcome. Um, all right, so we're, we're here with Angus from Smooth Beard Mead. I've just opened one of his meads. Um, was It's your first product on the market? Yes, it is. Take us through it. Yeah. So I suppose uh, it all started uh, about 18 months ago. I was uh, looking into what could be around the market in the next, in the next couple of years. And I found that mead was making a bit of a comeback in, in the US, in the UK particularly. In fact, there were some um, interesting figures of how many meaderies had, had started up in the last um, seven or eight years, gone from 25 meaderies in the US to about 250 Wow! in, in a pretty short amount of time. Uh, it does help with meaderies as you can use uh, winery infrastructure uh, to, to create, create your meat, and it's mm. quite similar in style. To um, to wine in that it's most of them around that twelve to fifteen percent alcohol, um, and I looked at that and looked at what was sort of moving in the Australian market, and so um, I thought, how about trying a, a lighter style uh, mead, one that's five point one percent alcohol, mm. and and targeting that craft beer and cider sector, uh, and 
like I suppose a lot of um, brewers and um, brewing enthusiasts say they start with a bit of home brew and, and, and that's where it, where it started. Hmm. So you've got a wine background. Yeah, yep. So a couple of years ago, uh, my family background, my father or my parents have got a vineyard in Coonawarra, uh, which is on the border of South Australia and Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, growing fruit for a few of the big guys um, throughout the years and our contract with them finished finished up and we decided uh, for a number of reasons, but um, one of the main ones was uh, we were sick of seeing it going off on the back of the truck and, and not seeing exactly what happened to it. Uh, and so we decided that we'd, we'd like to have a bit of a, a go ourselves and, and start um, the, the full process mm. um, of, of making wine, um, creating a brand. And So and when was that that you stopped the contract with the big boys? Uh, in 2012. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I've, my father was always thinking about doing something and we mm. still sell the majority of our fruit um, as, as fruit to, to some, um, some bigger wineries. Um, but this is just a way for us, I suppose, to be a bit more creative uh, mm. and, and the brand's whistle post. Um, along the edge of our vineyard in Coonawarra is the Adelaide-Mount Gambier railway line and there was a whistle post at the front gate. So that railway line is quite significant in the history of Coonawarra as a, as a means of transporting wine back out to, back to England yep. um, in the early days. Uh, and so it was kind of like, a, I suppose, a no-brainer to, to, to pay tribute to that wine. Um, to that railway line with the brand. Hmm. Uh, and I suppose that background uh, opened me up to, you know, all things in the alcohol industry and, and, and seeing the craft beer and cider sector particularly growing quite well in the last couple of years, I came, sort of became in, intrigued, I suppose, to see what could be, you know, next, um, next in, in front of that curve. Hmm. Uh, and, and Mead sort of jumped out at me as something that um, has a very interesting history. Uh, and and something that I think could be applied to the market uh, in in modern day in modern day. Mm. Mead is it's an interesting one because it's not like when I guess we started checking out. You kind of have that association of, of sweet, rich mm. um, Renaissance fears mm. involved in, the, in your mind somewhere, mm. and you sort of realise it's just people that want to make something really delicious, and it isn't as sweet and overbearing as, as what you think it. No, no, it's, it's certainly, certainly not that it's, I mean, everyone perceives honey as, as sugar. So it's, it's hard to get that, uh, perception that you can, you can ferment, mm. you can ferment the sugar out well, uh, and, and well, with that's, our drink. That's, like, that's the logic that. that we sort of went, well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Cause mm. a lot of the sugar just ferments out. So, and that's what makes mead so unique because, uh, everyone's exposure to honey is sweet uh, mm. or sugar. Mm. So to be able to ferment that out, it's quite a unique taste in that. You can't taste honey without sugar anywhere else. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's not – it's weird, yeah, that if you were to, to drink the unfermented wort of a beer, it's going to be sugary and sweet just like an unfermented, you know, honey is going to be. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I guess getting your head around that, once you do that, like, oh, okay, it's actually traditionally pretty dry mm. and, and um, full of the flavour still. Mm. Mm. So your first product, it's a sparkling – um, mead, yes. Um, would you say six percent? Five. Five point one percent. Five point one. So, yep. going for sort of a obviously a crowd that wants a, an easy drinker. Yeah, uh, I mean to be honest, I, I really probably would have liked to go for that that higher alcohol mead um, originally, but I, I saw perhaps um, the best way to get people to start trying mead is is to have it in that sessionable style, and and craft beer drinkers and and uh, and craft cider drinkers are quite. Uh, early adapters. So by uh, introducing it to that market, it's the best way to introduce people to mead. And and there are so many options what you can do further down the track, whether that be a higher alcohol mead or um, sweet, dry, spices. Uh, there's all kinds of things. You can be very creative. Mm. Uh, and, and that's kind of, I suppose, works well in that craft beer sector because everyone's so creative. Um, and, the, and the drinkers love to, love to try different things. Different methods. Mm. So, what honey do you use in this one? So, we sourced our honey from Tintinara, which is just across the border near Keith uh, and Bordertown, uh, a local beekeeper there. And the the honey producing season sort of goes from roughly October through to February, uh, and we got our honey, a uh, milder style of honey. Uh, 
the I suppose the main reasons for doing that was to to have a, a honey that uh, we can replicate reasonably easy, uh, and I think it probably uh, the subtleties in a milder honey uh, add a little bit more uh, in makes the drink I suppose a little bit more intriguing. Mm. Uh, so we actually blend, blended two types of honey, a, a mallee gum and, and a blue gum um, honey. A blue gum honey can be quite sometimes quite minty uh, and uh, by by blending it with a mallee gum, it sort of, I suppose, uh, made it a little bit uh, softer. Mm. So you kind of get on the nose, it's sort of a little bit floral and then the finish yep. you kind of get that mint, bordering on menthol but not mm. overbearing at all. Mm. It's just kind of in the background there as it kind of mm. dries up. Mm. Um, really easy drinking. Um, mm. It's definitely the kind of beer, oh, sorry, the kind of mead that I could, you know, have three or four of on a, on a sunny day, mm. and I'd be pretty happy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think it probably fits in into that craft, probably craft beer between the craft beer and cider cider market. Mm. It adds a bit in. Um, we use a, a champagne yeast, so it's got quite a, um, a champagne, I suppose, feel to it, mm. mouth feel to it, uh, but it. It offers something. There's a little bit of a bitterness um, on the on the side of your on your cheeks, uh, which I think works well with you know some some bitterness in, in that you get in beers. Now we uh, in the cold opening we mentioned you don't have a beard. No. Uh, <laughs> so how did the name come about? Uh, it's an interesting story. My surname is quite unusual. It's called Smybert, mm-hmm. and uh, we were originally from Scotland, and over the last. Five six hundred years, uh, it had evolved from Smoothbeard uh, to Smybert. Okay, and you can imagine with a Scottish accent, uh, it quite easily evolved to that. And there's records throughout throughout the times uh, of of Smoothbeards uh, registering in town centres and the name slowly changing in spelling and and throughout the years and and turning into Smybert. Wow. So. Uh, that's where Smoothbeard comes from. Uh, being from Scotland uh, was obviously back in or about a thousand years ago during the Viking Age was uh, quite a good hunting ground for the Vikings. And mead uh, traditionally has been a drink of kings and Vikings, or most recently has been a, a drink of kings and Vikings. So um, there's a running joke in our family that we're Vikings back in the day. So it all kind of came it came together. So um, hence Smoothbeard mead and, and with a with a Viking on the front. Uh, the the beard where it comes into it is uh, certainly I'm not a very good uh, brand ambassador <laughs> for the beard side of things, <laughs> but uh, we my grandfather actually has done a fair bit of research into into the name and um, supposedly if I grow my beard one side uh, is actually quite smooth and the other side is uh, is quite curly <laughs> right. and that's where the smooth beard um, originally came in and my grandfather's got that on on his beard uh, when he had a beard. Um, he had quite curly on one side and, and smooth on the other. So perhaps I do need to grow it and see. Um, <laughs> give it a run. And, and give it a run. The only move. thing is if I don't have a smooth beard, does that make me a fraud? Yeah, you're uh, So am I better just sort of saying, it's a risk. yeah, my, my beard does that. You Believe gotta, me. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> you got to keep the clippers close by. If you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you were homebrewing it to, to sort of experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any massive failures along the way? <laughs> uh, fortunately for me, the interesting thing, yeah. right? <laughs> my my wine background, uh, and I've, I've done a couple of vintages, so I knew a little bit about um, fermentation process. But I have to be honest, I was very lucky. I had a um, local winemaker that that was helping me out on the technical side of things, and and um, he gave me a lot of confidence in what we were doing. Uh, mead or honey's notorious for not being overly um, nutritious. Mm as a source of sugar for, for, for fermentation. So we had to really make sure that the yeast culture was very healthy and, and by having him there uh, and, and him pretty much running it, I was sort of his, uh, his worker going around doing all the mixing and he, um, and he sort of ran the show. So I was very lucky, uh, lucky to have him around. But we didn't have any major issues. A couple of ferments when we were first doing it in the middle of winter that got a bit cold and, and uh, we had to re- restart the ferments. So what sort of temperature do you need for...? Uh, so we, with this batch, we started uh, quite reasonably warm uh, just to get the yeast culture really healthy. So around that 24, 25 degrees uh, for about 24 hours. Once we, we looked in and uh, got under the microscope and checked out how healthy the, the culture was, 
and that it was tracking quite well, we started to cool it back, uh, being not a lot of sugar used uh, in the in the fermentation, uh, only five percent alcohol, so not a high sugar rate. Uh, we we thought uh, it could get through fermentation in in a matter of no time at all. So we had to cool it back to get that extraction of flavour, mm. um, which we did. We pulled it back to around 16, 17 degrees and, and the ferment went for around 10 days in the end, mm. uh, which was sort of ideal for what we want, wanted and it all went to plan. There was a bit of unknown because not many people make mead, so we couldn't really uh, make it on a commercial scale. There's a lot of uh, mead homebrewers out there, mm. but on a commercial scale, things can sometimes be a bit different. So, and um, not many people make a 5% mead. No, either. no. So, Is that as simple as using less honey and more water? Um, essentially, okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's lowering your amount of sugar, sugar to water um, or honey to water ratio. Uh, with that, though, also you've, you don't have as a, nutrition, uh, a nu- nutritious source of sugar. You drop back your sugar, so you've got to be um, quite close or looking after your your yeast to make sure that they can, um, that they're healthy and that you can get that ferment, mm. uh, get that ferment through. We stopped just slightly um, before completely being dry, um, and that was mainly just to give it a little bit more balance. So, what's the final gravity on the? Yeast? Uh, I was maybe about one, uh, one and a half mm to it. So, yep. uh, that allowed us to lower the carbonation levels. On the, on the drinks, so it's probably similar to a beer, midway between a beer and a cider. A lot of ciders, you, they're a lot higher in in carbonation levels to make it refreshing because of that sugar um, mm. being in the in the cider. Uh, so we we pull back our sugar in order to be able to give it a lighter carbonation level, and hopefully that comes across as giving a bit more flavour, uh, and you can get a lot more of that honey influence in the drink. Mm. Mm. So you are looking at experimenting with more. As you said, you know, spices, um, different mm. honeys. Is mm. that yeah. going to come commercially soon or are you going to sort of push the, the basic product for a start? Look, push the basic product for a start. During our home brewing, we did all kinds of, all kinds of things. Um, we, we found that honey is a very delicate flavour and by adding any of those, we tried some gingers, we tried um, all kinds of different spices, lemons and limes and that kind of stuff. But it was very, very, it didn't take much for it to overtake the honey. So trying to build that mead, um, that mead brand, really requires having a quite a honey influence. And we thought, keep it very simple first up, uh, introduce people to honey and um, and mead, and then potentially there's there's all kinds of options uh, later on. And, and that's certainly planned, not just with spices, but um, higher alcohol ones that are similar in a wine style. Uh, at the same point, you can have a higher alcohol sparkling, um, similar to a champagne. Uh, like like product as well. So there's there's lots of uh, dry, sweet. There's just so many options out mm. there um, that we can that we can do. So it's quite an exciting future. But for the for the moment now, uh, to be able to build build that mead brand and introduce mead to the market, because yeah, there are some meads out there, and there's a couple of others um, around that are doing a little bit of sparkling, uh, but more that higher alcohol wine style. So yeah, if we can build build the mead market um, together. Because mm. I think that's where the craft beer market has done so well is everyone works well together. Mm. Uh, and if we can do that together, then I think there's a very bright future for mead. Michael Fairbrother from Moonlight Meadery in America spoke at the um, National Homebrewers Conference uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I heard, every, all the brewers in attendance were pretty keen on doing some sort of braggart or um, blend with a mead since then. So mm. you never know, you might get a call up from some of the Aussie yeah. brewers <laughs> that want to try and collaborate. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, Moonlight particularly, they're going very well and very well in Australia. And um, yeah, I think there's a, there's a bright future. It's just uh, a matter of yeah, introducing and getting people open to the idea of trying it, which, you know, as I said before, craft beer drinkers in that market are are quite intrigued to, to try new things. So I think it's a great a great area to, to mm. build that brand. How did you go on Friday night? Good, thank you. Yeah, um, we had a had a launch, um, a tasting launch um, nearby in, in, in Melbourne here and uh, it was great, great reception. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the comments are generally, oh, I thought it was going to be a big, 
big, heavy, um, heavy drink, mm. uh, something that's not very sessionable. So it was quite nice to, to um, I suppose, educate, that, educate them that it can be made in, in this style. Um, people always imagine those big Viking, Viking cups and... Um, Pulling the axe out of a yeah, barrel exactly. and filling the cup and putting <laughs> exactly. the axe back so in. Yeah. That, that perception is, is uh, reasonably hard to... Hard to shake, so it's, to it's a matter of getting it in people's mouths. But to be fair, we yeah. do have a Viking on the front, <laughs> <laughs> but he does have a little smile on it. <laughs> he's, he's a happy Viking. Yeah, he's a happy Viking. Yeah. Um, coming back to I guess mead in Australia, and something we've noticed for our our mead blog and trying to track down meads is a lot of them seem to be sold out of the gift shop of a, an apiary. Mm-hmm. No one's no one's really done it commercially. Uh, it seems to be incidental mead. <laughs> yeah, hmm. and there are, I guess, Maxwell's and it's a B mm, B mead, B um, mead. Yeah, yep. and they're. I, I'm the understanding that the B mead might not be complete, just honey water. I think there might be maybe they've some, got some different varietals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think uh, they're probably slightly different to what yeah. what we're doing. But I think at the same point where we're all in it together, we all have a common goal of build, building that mead. Um, brand and, and brand awareness. So I think by having them there and, and Maxwell's that have been around for 50, 50 years or so, so um, certainly they know their stuff on, on me and they've got a couple, couple of different varietals, but mm. they're around that 12, 12%. They're definitely bigger, yeah. Mm, a little bit bigger, uh, bigger meads. But yeah, I think uh, there's a bright future, but you've got to, got to work together. I think the market now is ready to at least try something different. Mm. And mm. um, have a go. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, how uh, um, how far and wide are you spreading the the mead at this point? Um, not too far and wide. Yeah. Look, I've I'm basically doing the the, the footwork myself at the moment. Um, kind of based in Melbourne, I travel around a bit with with what I do with um, my um, winery with my parents, uh, but I. With our wine, we've got a distributor. With this, I'm doing doing it myself mainly to target specific venues, um, mm-hmm. venues that I think it's such a hand sell product. It's not something that people are going to look in a in a fridge, particularly at a bar, and it's it's down below eye level. Uh, you need a bar a barman to say, "We've got this new product in," or get it on a specials board, get people trying it. Uh, so, I'm targeting those venues at the moment and just sticking to um, to Melbourne at the moment, but not mm-hmm. to say I mean if someone interested in trying it then of course I'm you know um, I'm open to it but mm. there's only so far that uh, I can I can travel to, to to tell the story so at this stage just Melbourne how um, big is the setup currently that you're running out of uh, uh, when you say setup you mean so how much like what's your capacity well I get a contract um, I use a contract facility mm-hmm. um, so there isn't too many restrictions on on where we can get to. It's more at this time of year, obviously coming into grape harvest, uh, you can't really get access into wineries at that stage. They're flat out with their ferment tanks and, and all that. So you can't really get into those areas. Uh, and likewise, your main issue also is honey supply. Uh, so you need to make sure you've got a fairly uh, good honey supply. And, but that can be fixed as well as honey has a great life uh, used by, I mean, there's stories of Mummies being mm. buried with with honey, um, so it's clearly got a fairly good loss, um, um, well use by date on it. So yeah, there's there's certain ways that we can use to negate uh, supply issues as well. So, are you concerned that global bee populations are declining? Uh, I think everyone should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's something that's that's an issue. We've. I, like the idea of uh, building meat up because it it hopefully will um, encourage some maybe some more beekeepers if it can grow grow to a um, you know to a certain size. But uh, yeah, certainly it's not not um, something great. Mm. Um, but there's particularly I suppose in the developed world there's there's uh, it's people are aware of it and and you know even basic things like far- local farmers um, knowing where bee beehives are and, and mm. tracking where beehives are that um, for for at least I suppose the the commercial bees um, it's good to know because you know if they're spraying their crops or can wipe out 
um, those types of, types of bees mm. quite quite quickly. The native bees, on the other hand, are um, there's probably a little bit more work to to do to to make them a, a bit healthier as well. Mm. I don't know like a whole heap about sort of bees. I know um, Emma, our producer, went along to the rooftop bees. Mm. People uh, gave a, a, spe- a talk recently, and she's pretty keen on planting bee-friendly plants uh, mm. around the garden. So. Mm. If you are planting your garden, folks, keep, keep it some, in mind. Yeah, do some research. I don't know what those plants are, so you can have to Google it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're in an age where you can find stuff out without having us to tell you all about it. So exactly, get on Google. Oh, I was going to say the Encarta CD ROM. Microsoft Encarta. Yeah, get on. Still board. got Good there. resource. Have you got a CD ROM driving? It's got to be there somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, Google it and. Um, Support the bees, I think. I, think I haven't thought about Encarta in like maybe 10 years. <laughs> no one has. There was a sweet like trivia game on it when I had it. Kind of mm. digressed the conversation, but just jumped into my mind. That's all right. Um, now I'm just thinking. See what I mean? Like the big handbrake <laughs> I just pulled there. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, I think. Good work. Back on topic. <laughs> back on, yeah. Back on yeah, look, I, I, it's quite interesting, those Mel, uh, the Melbourne rooftop bees and that kind of stuff. I think there's lots of options. There's actually a, a mead producer in uh, in the UK that's just started. Um, there's a London local, I don't think it was rooftop, but it's mm. uh, local London um, beehives around around the gardens in um, in London and they're, they're producing a, a, bit, uh, a mead Great. Uh, with that honey. So there's, mm. uh, there's... Urban mead. Yeah. I like Maybe. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave, did you have any, any more questions? Um, just put it on me here. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so how's your you've you, you've obviously got a a mead, a mead blog that you're yeah um I'll give it a plug here uh, australianmead.wordpress.com mm-hmm. you can find us on twitter yeah. at, at australian mead um it's going good i think we it is quite expensive to to get mead to our house because mm-hmm. you we're having to to Find those small producers and mm-hmm. then, then you know mm-hmm. get it sent ourselves. Yeah. So, and some of them aren't that um, willing to go to the effort sometimes. But yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the ones we've had um, so far have been a pretty high level. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, sourcing it is the biggest challenge thus far. Mm. But um, so I guess it, it is good to have a product that is coming at that entry level um, mm. because for most people, um, spending you know twenty or thirty dollars on a, a bottle of mead. That you're having to maybe buy six of them to make it worth the, the postage mm. and stuff. No one's going to do that, mm. and unless you're going past the, the apiary and stopping in mm. uh, on a holiday or something, mm. then where are you going to get mead? Mm. Basically, um, and because there's such like little information about mm. mead at the moment, it's a, probably too big a risk for mm. most people to fork out the thirty bucks for one bottle of something they're not really sure about. That so, is, yeah. um, and that was that was sort of I suppose behind my thinking with. With making smooth beard sparkling mead was to be able to get something that is you know reason, reasonably priced and people are Very willing to accessible. take that risk. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, that's you know, the thing that they can they can be open or they can try try the mead without digging too deep into their pockets. And that's the thing, like starting out drinking beer now, people. If you're starting out, you might spend you know a little bit more on a six pack. Mm. You might go along to a you know local tap house or somewhere and try a you know. Oh, there's a ten dollar beer here, or a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen dollar beer. I'll try that one. It doesn't take too long for you then to go. Okay, I want to spend sixty dollars on a big bottle of something, you know, mm. barrel aged, whatever. Mm. Um, like it's pretty much the first step a lot of people take is they dip their toes in, and if they're they're really enjoying it, then they'll just go straight to the most expensive thing they can find. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure I was guilty of that. Well, not guilty, but I, I did that. And Dave, I'm. Pretty sure you've done that. In the first past. thing I ever wrote about any beer was Dark Island Reserve that I shelled out fifty five dollars. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, um, so yeah, it's that kind of I guess the same same thing. Getting people spending, willing to spend a little a little bit of money, and mm. then opening that up to okay, there is a market out there, and you mm. can spend a bit more on 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 different product. Yeah, mm. I think smaller bottles are wise. I think the Moonlight ones coming in are they just no, they're three seventy five. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like rather than having the champagne sized bottles for all the packaging, um, mm. I think that's very wise. Mm. Uh, anything you wanted to add about mead or or your future of your your brand? Oh, I don't think there's a, there's a there's a lot more. I, I mean, I think I think the main thing is to 
to open people up to the idea of, of trying mead, um, that it's out there and um, that it's surprise yourself and, 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 and have, have some. Hmm. What have you learned along the way? Uh, quite a bit. I've, I suppose with my wine background, it's a very different market to, to uh, well, mead for starters and then also craft beer. Uh, and I found it uh, quite interesting having something that's, a, I suppose, a product that's out there and there's not really a, a large market out there for it. So it's been interesting trying to, to get it into people's mouths and, and, to, and to get it into venues because, uh, yeah, it's, it's not around there. So it's, mm. I found it quite difficult but at the same time quite exciting. Um, there are, you know, there's, there are some great venues that uh, are trying it at the moment that, you know, that are really getting behind it, which is, which is exciting and, and, and their customers, um, likewise, uh, seem to be, seem to be enjoying it. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's quite an exciting, uh, and challenging at the same time. I imagine, yeah, it's, it's not, it'll almost be daunting in, in, in that regard. Where it's a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, some, some days well, it's you, a new, you it's think, a new oh, product, you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. You think you're getting there and then other days you you're going to five or six places and, and and you, and you get nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So currently only Melbourne. Whereabouts can people find a smooth beard? Uh, so we're really trying to target the uh, the on premise and bars. So we're getting a reasonable uptake into a couple of venues uh, in the inner north. So the Terminus Hotel, mm-hmm. um, Forrester's Hall, uh, Grace Starling, um, the Baden Powell Ale House Project up in Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, the Spotted Mallard up in on Sydney Road in Brunswick as well. So, uh, Metropolitan in North Melbourne, Slow Beer in Richmond. Nice. So, yeah, just really, as you can probably tell by those names of those places, uh, you know, the craft beer um, pretty, focused. Pretty much the places that all of our Melbourne listeners go to all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Keep an eye out then, mm. uh, Melbourne people. Mm. Great. And now, how can people? follow you on via various social media. So, and yeah, social media at Smoothbeard Mead for Twitter, Instagram and then Smoothbeard Mead on, on Facebook. Great. So, Give them a like. Yeah. Mm. And your can. website? Smoothbeard.com It's got contact details on it as well? It certainly does. Down Great. Bottom. Yeah. Great. Mm. Alright, well, let's uh, take a break and we'll come back and recommend a couple of things and then wrap it up. Great. Cool. Into it, huh? All right, welcome back. back. We had a bit of a musical break there. Yeah, uh, Angus, you didn't hear that, but we have music in between our breaks. Mm, good song. Yeah, the same song all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good song, though. You are mm. right. Uh, mm. Thank you, and we should say thank you, Toe Hider, who provide our theme music. Get on board with their They're very their, generous, their prog rock, metal infused tunes. Sounds like a beer. Prog rock metal infused. Okay. Doesn't sound like a good beer. No, no. <laughs> That'd be a fault, I think. <laughs> uh, speak, so speaking of beer, do we want to have some beer recommendations? I hope so, because that's the part of the show we're up to. Uh, Should I kick off? Yeah, go All on. Right. I'm going to do two because I don't follow the rules. Jeez, because um, we made the rules. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. First one. It was uh, I went along to the. Seven Cent and Brew Cult birthday yesterday. So I'm going to recommend one from each. Mm. Uh, the first one is the uh, Buzz Killington, which is the blend of ice from Seven Cent. Now, that was only a one-off keg. Was it? Yeah. We'll get to Ale House then. But they are going to rebrew uh, it, I, I think they already the... have maybe, but mm, not sure. Whatever. Anyway, it'll be around again. Get your mitts on it because it's pretty tasty, especially if the weather's warm. Perfect. The uh, Hendo's one that I'm going to recommend, again, warm weather favourite, but he's um, brought out, spoiler alert, the Pale Lager. Is that going to come out packaged? I don't know. Okay. Go to the Alhouse Project. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I imagine he has reasonably good, he does really good distribution now. Exactly right. Interstate listeners, keep an eye out. I imagine you'll get at least, uh, if he doesn't do it again, you'll get kegs at least, I imagine. Um, But it's a very Hendo-ish Pale Lager, so it's um, quite hop forward, but very dry, um, very crisp. I had two pints of it yesterday. It made me happy. Mm. Um, that's my recommendations. Good work, Hendo and Seven Cent. 
Excellent. Angus, you're not going to do a beer one, I believe? No, I'll, I'll do a recommendation for Willie Smith Cider, mm. uh, the, whole, the whole range. Uh, I think Good what, they're, what they're doing is quite interesting. I think it's probably the closest you get to as a cider producer to what uh, I suppose beer craft beer uh, breweries are doing in that they're quite creative in, in what they're doing there. Um, organic apples and and uh, and they do a few different styles and uh, a little bit of limited releasing and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. A few so, wild ferments and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah really so interesting. I think they're quite interesting and and by doing that they've they can get some fairly good depth in flavour and um, there's a bit of character to to uh, to their ciders which I think sometimes can can lack a little bit. As um, a some ciders, beer drinker that doesn't pay heaps of attention to cider but does enjoy cider, it's mm-hmm. kind of always good to know that the names you see, like a Willie Smith's, mm-hmm. are you know, good because mm-hmm. that you see them around quite a bit. And you're like, I don't know if they're, I don't know where like their backstory. Mm-hmm. And if I want a cider, is it going to be a good one? You know, mm-hmm. for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've tried a couple of his in there. Yeah, they're really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I went to, um, I can't even think. It must have been the start of summer or everything. It doesn't matter when I went. But it went to the uh, Cider Festival um, at Ormond Hall, and that was all local producers barring – I think they were supposed to have two UK producers, but they didn't make it across. So it was um, – I, I thought it was going to be – my expectation was it was going to be like an RTD sugar fest, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. The um, the exhibitors were really high quality, and um, Willie Smith were probably – for my tastes anyway, they were the, 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 the best exhibitors of the bunch. Really interesting. Mm. I like this sort of very tart, mm. sort of almost not sour, but very tart ciders. It was mm. delicious. Good mm. recommendation. Mm. What do you got? Mine is, I, I don't know how widely this is going, but it comes from WA. This, this Every recommendation we do is like this. Well, no, but this is coming. Yeah, oh, fair enough. Um, I just re- recommended two one-off beers. <laughs> one pub for one of yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is, I mean, it's come all the way from WA. Uh, it was the feral... The winners of the local tap house hottest one hundred. Yeah, so everyone knows them. The Knuckles Coffee uh, American Pale Ale. Hey, Twitch Bart. Are you saying a hey. that the coffee that bat juxtaposition <laughs> okay. is interesting in itself? Yeah. So I don't know how they got the coffee in there. I, I had it seeing it on tap and going, I don't know what that is. I'll give it a shot, and it came through. The coffee came through as your. More of if you get a filter coffee or a, a siphon coffee or a cold drip coffee where it's kind of fruit, floral aromas um, and sort of chocolate and caramel rather than the coffee bitterness. Mm-hmm. So it really came through on the aroma with sort of a, an American pale, um, which Fair will do an amazing yeah, no, job at doing. They know how to do that, yeah. So it was a really interesting beer. Um, it was kind of dry and, and I, I really like that sort of style of coffee, um, you know, the cold drip style. So... Whether I'm, I guess they've used that or something similar um, in the beer, and it, it's a really interesting one. Uh, Probably a better way to use coffee in beer. Like it's yeah. a more uh, robust way of keeping a consistent flavour Partic- rather than using beans. Yeah. Particularly in that, um, you know, American Pale, it could go wrong pretty easily, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that it's, he's and like, it could fall away pretty easily, you would have thought, the coffee characteristic. Yes. If it was like just beans being used. Well, coffee can present as green capsicum and, and jalapeno um, to some people. And, and I think as it ages as well, if you leave a coffee beer for a, a year or so, depending on the roast, you might end up with some pretty disgusting flavours. Um, I think there's always a risk when you're ageing coffee beers. So um, I didn't get anything like that. It was completely different to any other coffee beer that I've had. So uh, really that interesting. pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So keep an eye out for it. I, hope, I don't know if it's going to be packaged, but uh, get out and about. Good, Good old bar. Good stuff. Uh, non-beer. Mm-hmm. Shall I kick it off? Do it. All right. The late last year, um, a actually one of our listeners turned me onto this band um, after another recommendation a while back. Um, uh, Run the Jewels, a hip hop group of ELP and Killer Mike. Oh yeah, yeah, those guys. Cool. <laughs> two, I think they're two stalwarts of of the hip hop scene. They've kind of never really made the push to mainstream. Uh, but both very talented, and they've put a follow-up album to their second album called Run the Jewels 2, cleverly titled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. It's probably the best hip-hop album of the last 10 years. That's a big call. I'm not one to make sweeping statements, mm. but I just did. Yeah, okay. Um, no, it's amazing. They have pretty much, like, they... 
oh, it's, it's, it's angry, it's interesting. Some of the songs, the production, ALP's production is always unique. Um, Zach De La Rocca from Reaching Into the Machine makes an appearance and it actually works well. Uh, there's always a risk when you've got someone like him. He comes with a bit of baggage, I think. Is this record going to push them to the mainstream, do you think? They're in the Hottest 100 music. So you're telling me they've sold out? Uh, I don't think they've sold out. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really good if you, if you have any passing interest in hip hop or music that that is unique. There's some really intricate production in there, but also some really um, fun and yeah, one of the most interesting hip hop albums for a cool. long time. Very Check good. it out. All right, Angus. I'll probably stick to uh, my other half of what I do time wise is uh, is the Kunawara Wine Region. Uh, is my recommendation. I think it's. It's a place that uh, is quite often um, a little bit overlooked with a lot, of, a lot more wine, wine regions closer to capital cities, but uh, it's not overly that far, particularly from Melbourne, and, and we get quite a few visitors from Melbourne, but uh, yeah. What are the best up. varietals that grow there? Uh, Kunora is known for Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. uh, mainly, but uh, we, we do some other um, good varietals, and there's some quite creative wineries over there um, with different um, varietals and, and styles of styles of wine so uh yeah it's a it's a good spot there's it's all very close together it's quite a small region kunawara as far as um land mass uh so it's yeah it's a it's quite an easy accessible um area and and the local towns around there panola um great food um as well which you'd you'd uh, expect in a wine region and and then only less than an hour away is the is is the coast with robe and 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 Beachport as well, um, great little spot. So you can make a bit of a bit of a weekend of it. Is there a whistle post cab serve that we can find here? Uh, yes, yes, there is. So we we do um, a couple of couple of different varietals. Our vineyard's got uh, Chardonnay, uh, Merlot, and, and Cabernet Sauvignon mainly, and a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Cabernet is really our really our main one. We we um, we do two different lines. Uh, uh, one that's roughly around that twenty dollar. Um, price point retail and, and, and one that's not yet released but uh, it's been bottled uh, that's just having a bit of a bit of a rest at the moment uh, and we'll and we'll release later on later on in the year very good and that's in a few independents throughout 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 Melbourne um, and uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's good fun like the wine industry very different to very different to uh, to the meat industry and in that there is an industry <laughs> <laughs> have you got any uh, other favourites uh, from the area Mm-hmm. Have you got uh, any other favourites? Yeah, uh, I think if you're going to Coonawarra, it's there's some um, pretty impressive wineries, wineries there, uh, and I think the best thing about Coonawarra is quite often if you're there on a weekend, you'll you'll run into uh, the owners of the wineries when you're dropping into cellar doors, so you get quite a good insight into into wine into wine making. So places like uh, Rymel um, Winery, which is uh, quite impressive. What's the spelling of that? Um, are R Y. <laughs> Put you on the spot <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. So Rymel wins, which is obviously quite. I'm gonna old. put my bet on R Y M A L. What do you yeah, reckon? A double L. Double L. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah. I See, I'm so glad I asked because yeah. yeah. I would have. I would have been miles away. Yeah. Yeah. So they're quite. They're quite solid, and and then um, and the big producers of wins are smaller guys like Bowen Estate, which is is quite quite interesting and. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole number of them um, that are that are quite interesting to drop into. So, yeah, come along. Excellent. Good. We um we had some wineries when we were in New Zealand, and I love going to wineries because I don't know shit about wine basically, uh, and I really enjoy drinking it. So it's always fun to actually go there and and learn about it. And as you said, you quite often meet the the owner or the hmm. the, the winemaker. Hmm. And I have to give a plug to Catnook as well. I did a couple of vintages there, so. Catnook, uh, Catnook. All right. Yeah. What are they? What's the, what, wine. what should we have there from them? Oh, I think everywhere you go in Kunawari, you, you're going. Uh, something good. You're going into uh, Cabernet, but I think Catnook does quite a good. I like their Merlot. Hmm. They do an interesting Merlot, and and they've got some really cool um, Sauvignon Blancs as well. Excellent. That's a good plug. I I literally knew nothing about that region, mm. so that's great. Yeah, that's right now I have learned something, and mm. uh, I will add it to my list. Mm. Very good. Dave, what do you got for us? Uh, it's upon us. What? <laughs> ICC Cricket World Cup. Oh, oh so... Z- 
Yep, I don't know Sorry. when you're listening, but yesterday, um, from recording date, um, the matches kicked off in, where was it, Auckland? Christchurch. Christchurch Park. and the MCG. The Aussies just asserted their dominance over so, those palms. Dave, you'd know that I would am not even quietly confident, quite loudly confident mm-hmm. of how New Zealand are going in the cricket, particularly after yesterday we won by 100 or so runs mm-hmm. um, over Sri Lanka, which was excellent. But then Australia come out and thumped England all over the MCG for yeah. a lot more. And I think and you that, could that I, I think you could also happen. fit three of those Christchurch grounds into the MCG exactly. as well. So yeah. that's a lot of runs. Mm. Um, but you'll also know that I sort of share your um, optimism about New Zealand this, this year. I think they're going to be nigh on impossible to beat at home. Mm. Um, and, and Australia play us at home. So Yeah, exactly. So um, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fun as well. Uh, I enjoy watching cricket. So. Mm-hmm. I would think a New Zealand-Australia final. Is that possible? Well, I think if, if uh, given that if Australia and New Zealand can finish 1-2, they're not going to cross over into the final, are they? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought if they finished that in their pool. I don't know enough about the draw, Dave. I don't know how the finals, after the pools, I don't it know. It all the changes, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, but you wouldn't be playing people in your pool first up, would you? You'd be opposite. No, you'd and go one yeah. 1-2 yeah. in your pool. I would have thought you'd gonna... be completely separate sides yeah. of, the, of the quarters and in. But imagine that, grand final, Australia versus New Zealand at the G. Fantastic. What would a ticket to that cost? I reckon. Uh, no, I, don't t- I, I think a lot of the tickets are all gone. 250, I think. Yeah. yeah. Just watch it on TV. Yeah. I'll enjoy the beer more <laughs> on my couch. <laughs> but, but, um, I think wouldn't have thought they'd have too many craft beers at, uh, at the G, would they? No, no. I'd get a mystery Carlton. But I think Brendan McCullum's going to have a great tournament. I've got money on Kane Williamson to top score. Um, as well, so for the tournament, yeah. How did it go yesterday? Fifty odd. It's all right. Yeah, good, good start. start. Yeah. Um, what I realised yesterday was, I mean, even without Faulkner, Australia have got so many match winners. Yeah, you got a really good team. If Finch and Warner, they can easily sort of like ton up for an opening partnership, and that's tough to come back from if you don't take a wicket and yeah. bleed a hundred runs. Then you got dudes like Maxwell, and I mean. Whatever you think of Shane Watson, he can hit big scores mm. in critical moments. So mm. um, maybe let's not lynch him just yet. I did see a quite a sarcastic comment on Twitter about uh, Kevin Peterson yesterday at the England team saying, "I bet you wish you had Kevin Peterson at four now." <laughs> kind of a thing because um, that game last night was pretty much a Kevin Peterson game. Yeah, um, it was over pretty early on, wasn't it? Yeah, lucky Aussies batted first. Good on England to send him in in the first place. That's, yeah, uh, what was he doing? Is it? Did, did I he think, think because bit, of the little bit nervous? I think. Do you think because of the weather yesterday? Uh, yesterday, the previous day, there were pretty like pretty heavy thunderstorms. Yeah, it was, and it was forecast thunderstorms for the evening. But um, when they tossed the coin, it was like one of the most picture perfect days. And the MCG's got great drainage, so it didn't hold any of the water from mm. the previous mm. day. So mm. I don't know. And your dark horse for the World Cup. Oh, good question. Uh, I think South Africa are uh, flying under the radar just nicely. Which is... If you've got a match winner and they've got two probably in Umla and and, uh, and De Villiers. De Villiers is... Yeah, yeah the best they can rip, they can rip right. a game away from, from sides pretty quickly. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Mm. Yeah, get on board uh, even if you don't like cricket. In the what other pool, what else are you doing? United Arab Emirates. Just watch out for them. <laughs> it's good to see teams like that in there. Um, yeah. They're in there, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think they'll do much, though. No. no. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Dave, where can we find you on Twitter and email? You can get me at MelbDave, or you can shoot us an email at Dave at AleOfTime.com. Uh, at AleOfTime for me on Twitter, um, and Instagram as well, at AleOfTime. I use it sometimes. Okay, really fine. Like you can do MelbDave on Instagram as well if you do want. Do you have yeah. Instagram? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Just jumped on. I don't think I follow you. That's a bit awkward. I'm not, I'm I don't not think I follow you either. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't really like Instagram, so I don't expect a whole lot of yeah, no, content. Yeah, no, I'm not really loving it either. But. Yeah. Uh, and Luke at alvatime.com. You can get our producer, who I noticed has just left. Okay. Um, oh, no, she's back. Uh, Emma at alvatime.com. I don't know where she's been, but she's grinning cheekily. For um, loads of fascinating content, you can also uh, get us on Facebook forward slash alvatime. Yep. We put, if we get a press release, we put it up there. We'll put it up straight away. We scoop everyone on press releases, so it's your hottest resources for Australian beer press releases. You heard it here first. That's a scoop you got from us about our own resource. Um, and I quite often put up random articles that I find online or just dumb questions or whatever. Get on board. And it would be remiss of us in this episode not to mention Australian Mead. 
We did already. Do it again. We're doing the plugs. Uh, so at Australian Mead on Twitter. Um, if you if you are anywhere and you see some mead, get us send us a photo. Tell us about it. Um, we would like to know because we don't know much still. I think that's accurate, isn't it, Dave? Absolutely. Good. Um, it's even a great way to sign off. <laughs> and keep Angus. an ear out for mead because I think I think in the next couple of years there's going to be um, a bit of growth. I think. Certainly, uh, with a lot of industries to have the infrastructure there to do it, and which Mead does in in wineries, there's, there's uh, and and I suppose in that commercial scope, wineries can um, quite easily get get uh, some interesting meads out there. So um, in the cold of winter, they can have a bit of a play around and and uh, and start releasing a few meads. Mm. Very good. Until then, just drink some Smoothbeard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking now of blending mead and and wine. Would that work? Um, I don't know, maybe you're giving someone some ideas. I feel like someone's sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might just do it at home when I get home. All right. What would you call it? I'm sure it has a name somewhere. Yeah, well, it is a, is, a, is a type of wine. It's a, mm. it's a honey wine. So, yeah, we ferment the grape juice and the and the honey together. Well, vintage is coming up. Maybe I'll just, just get a few, just, in. just a little bit of a couple hundred yeah. kilos of, of uh, grapes at the, off the back of a truck. And There are a handful and, um, of... Breweries that have done um, wine must blended with beer. Mm. Um, New Zealand uh, Garage Project did a really good one. Uh, so, yeah, we'll so much potential. And Dave, uh, I guess not to keep going on too long, but we discussed we this that. the other day about how it's all essentially fermented sugar, mm. regardless if it's beer, gray, uh, mm-hmm. wine, or, or mead or mm. cider. So there should be more love between all all four. It shouldn't, you know, we don't need to. Define. I'm a beer lover, not a wine lover, because mm. everything's pretty delicious, right? Exactly, exactly. Very good. All right. Um, thank you again to Toe Hider for our music. Rate us in iTunes. We have got a couple more ratings, so Did thank we? you. Good yeah. ones. Yeah, like Great. four, four and a five. We also got a little a nice comment. We really what did the comments say? Uh, it was pretending they were reviewing a beer, and then. Oh, wait, I'm reviewing the podcast. Um, it was from That's quite nice. Mikey Z. Thank oh, okay. You. Thank you, Mikey. Your Mikey. Um, really appreciate it. If you listen to this and you enjoy it, it would be nice if you did it. Eh, if you don't want to, don't. But, you know, if you're sitting there on iTunes and you're looking for, you know, the new. No, you know what? Kanye if you've West sat album, there long enough to get to this point of the podcast, do it. Yeah, what else are you doing? Yeah. You, your, your life isn't that rich right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> now we get some solding people. All right, thank All right. you, everyone, um, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Great. Thank you. Before we wrap up. After we've wrapped up already. Um, after we've wrapped up already, we may be losing the studio here, so if anyone has a hot tip on a studio that isn't being used around Melbourne, um, let us know. We would happily trade beer for usage. I don't really want to trade money because we don't make any money from this, but. We get occasional beer. Um, if anybody wants to sponsor us, drop us a line. Definitely. We will tell you how many listeners we have and, and the demographic because it might be good advertising. Yeah, with a little bit of money in God, it, interest in your product. Terrible <laughs> sales pitch. Straight up. Yeah. It's the worst sales pitch. We're not salesmen, are we? No, no. We need a salesman. All right, let's just wrap it up. All Thank right. you.